and we get to the tube station and buy our tickets and as we're going down the stairs we see that a train has just arrived and we are intent to get on that train. I'm at the head of the line and as soon as I get off the escalator I go as quick as I can onto the train. And as I'm boarding the train, I hear that sound that the doors will be closing soon. I look around, I look behind me, and see that no one else from my family has gotten on the train. I guess I had sprinted from the escalator and my family moved at a more normal pace. And I see this look of sheer terror on my mom's face. As her son her too young to do this by himself son is about to be on a tube in London by himself. So she just starts shouting over and over and over again the name of the stop that I'm supposed to get off at as the train goes out of sight. And then she takes what I can only imagine to be the longest tube ride of her life until she got to the stop and sees me sitting there happily at the train stop I was supposed to get off. I knew what stop we were supposed to go to. I knew what I was doing. But stuff like this happens to our families. I'm sure you all have a similar story, but there's no way, no how, something like this would ever happen to the Holy Family. Let's go to the videotape. We're in Luke chapter 2. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, more on that in a second, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Jesus was a teenager once too. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth, Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The NRSV translates this final verse, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. So I want to do a few quick highlights on this story before getting to the crux of today's message. The first highlight is, yes, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. Quick sidebar. Do you ever wonder if Mary and Joseph are up in heaven being like, of all the stories you could, of parenting Jesus you could put in the Bible, this is the one you pick? Not the time that I comforted Jesus when he had a nightmare. Not the time that Joseph taught him how to make a table, but the one time we lost him. But I do love this story. I love this story because it's so very real life. This could happen to any of us. This has happened to many of us. There's a crowd. A kid does his own thing. And you're left with the, all the worst case scenarios running through your head. 
And when you find your kid, the kid's like, of course I was in the toy aisle, where else would I be? <laughs> when my mom got off the tube in London, she asked what I was thinking getting on the train by myself, and I said, of course I ran to the train, I thought we were trying to catch it. <laughs> and what were you worried about? I knew where I was supposed to go. I love that it's human because it reminds us that the Bible is full of humans. Often we can put the characters on the Bible up on a pedestal. Like they have a faith or exhibit a faith that we could only dream of. Peter helps us out in this regard by generally being adult. But Mary, the holy mother of Jesus, the one who said, yes, the God-bearer, she lost Jesus. She literally lost God incarnate. She had one job. <laughs> It's a reminder to us in this Christmas season that the God who comes to be with us in Jesus Christ truly comes to be with us. He doesn't come to be with the perfect ones, the ones who have it all together, the ones who don't really need a Savior to begin with. He comes to be with people like you and me. People who are doing our best to adult, as the kids say. People who are trying to keep it together and consider it a win if we make it from the beginning of the day to the end of the day without losing it. Second highlight. Fun crucifixion and resurrection foreshadowing. Can I say fun and crucifixion together? But the foreshadowing's fun. Mary and Joseph travel a day without him, and then upon realizing he's gone, they search their traveling company. Because travel was dangerous, it was best to do it in a large group. And it was an annual festival, so there would have been a number of, there would have been tons of people going from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And kids hang out with kids. All of this is normal stuff. But Mary and Joseph don't find Jesus, so they go back to Jerusalem. And they search for three days. Of course it's three days. Of course. They spend three days in hell trying to find the child they lost, just as Jesus will spend three days in hell later on, in, and Mary and Joseph and the disciples along with him. And where is it they find Jesus after three days of him being gone? In the temple. The place of the very presence of God. It is the presence of God that will bring Jesus back to life on Easter. And it is the place of the presence of God that brings Jesus back to life for Joseph and for Mary. Third highlight. Jesus amazes the temple elders. Jesus is in the temple taking part in the religious and theological debates of the time. And he's amazing these learned men. This is an early hint that there's something special about this Jesus. I mean, early on we see there's definitely something nerdy about this Jesus. Of all the cool shops in Jerusalem that he could go to, Jesus goes to the temple to debate theology. There's something strange and wonderful about this child. Something we will continue to discover, to discover as we read Luke's Gospel. But here's the main point for us today. This story is the one episode we get of the boy Jesus. And it's a bit of a strange one. It's a story that is so purely human. Parents lose their child in a crowd. But it's, it's about the Holy Family, so should we expect such a human story? And the child they lose is hanging out in the temple, schooling the elders, which is all in all a bit odd. But the child in question is the Word made flesh, so is it really that unexpected? But the story ends with, and I'm going to stick with the NRSV rendering, Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. 
And it is in this that we find the mystery of the Incarnation. What does it mean for God incarnate to grow in wisdom? Years I get, but wisdom? The divine word learns? The divine word gains experience? In some sense, this seems unintelligible. But in another, in another sense, it's how we make sense of the mystery. We can parse out the Chalcedonian definition of Christology all we want, but we are still confronted in our understanding when it comes to the intersection of the divine and the human. We want to imagine the two being oil and water, a clear distinction point in between the two. But the reality is that it's messy. But so it is with our own faith and our own life. On the one hand, Christ comes into our lives and that should make it all make sense, right? That should solve all our issues. Christ has come into the world. God is in the world. Why doesn't that fix everything? And yet the ways in which God's being in our lives and God's being in our world happens is messy. It doesn't always make sense. It isn't always clear. But somehow, it always works itself out. Somehow, it always grows. Here's the expectation. If we are actively pursuing our faith, we too ought to grow in wisdom as we grow in years. And this to us is the connection between what the church says today and what our culture has already moved on to. Sorry, what the church says today is and what our culture has already moved on to. I'm being stubborn and obnoxious and pedantic in saying it's still Christmas. And usually every year I am stubborn and obnoxious and keep my Christmas tree up until January 6th, which is Epiphany, and no one shall remove a single decoration. This year I think I might have to take the decorations down early. The tree we bought is dead. It's been dead for a couple weeks and it might be a bit of a fire hazard. But it is still Christmas. We are still grappling with God's coming into the world. But the rest of our culture has already moved on to New Year's. I would be more than happy to move on from that college football thing that happened yesterday. <laughs> but here's where Christmas and New Year's connect. The child Jesus grew in wisdom and in years. Soon we will mark the passage of one year to the next. How will you grow in wisdom as you grow in a year? How will you move forward? How will you approach the new year? I'm going to start passing these out as I talk about them. When I think about growing, I think about four steps we can take, four actions we can take to make changes in our lives. The first one is, what will I pick up this new year? What practice? What discipline? What is something you want to add to your life? Maybe it's a new spiritual practice like a daily devotion, morning prayer, or joining a small group. Maybe it's something with your physical health, like joining a gym or exercise class, trying yoga, or running a significant race. Maybe it's something with your emotional health, like really taking Sabbath, sleeping at least eight hours a night, or looking into therapy this year. Maybe it's relational. This is the year you'll call your parents once a week. Or this is the year you'll heal that conflict in, with your friend. What thing will you pick up this year? The second area is what will you put down this year? What will you stop doing? Is there anything in your life that is an unhealthy habit? Something that's not life-giving? Some area of your life 
you've known you need to change. If you could eliminate one thing in your life that would make you happier, what is it? Washington Redskins. Is this the year that you put down the thing you've known for a while you need to stop doing? The third thing is, what will you return to? How many of us have had something that meant so much to us, that was so life-giving for us, and then we stopped doing it? That we've let go by the wayside? What do you look back on and say, a few years ago I did this and it was so helpful and so meaningful to me? What could you return to this year? And the final thing is, what story will you tell this year? What story will you tell about yourself? What story will you tell about your career, your finances, your health, your identity? What story do you want to be telling at the end of, the, of, the end of this year? And what do you need to do to make sure that by the end of the year, you're telling the story of 2019 you want to tell? Now you can look at this in two ways. What story do you want to tell about yourself as we start this year and how that will influence the year you are about to have? Or what story do you want to be telling about the year ahead and how can you start this year with the end goals in mind and do what's necessary to get there? Growing in wisdom is important. We all have to grow in years. Not all of us get to grow in wisdom. Growing in wisdom is about intentionality. It's about discernment. It's about prayer. And so I want us to take some time, like some serious time. This will get awkward because it's going to be quiet. And fill out that sheet that went, that went around. Fill, out, fill it out with these four areas. What will you pick up? What will you put down? To what will you return? And what story do you want to tell about this year? Let's take an uncomfortable amount of time.
So now that we've filled this out, the question is, what do we do with this? We can write stuff down all we want. I've written plenty of things down. The fruit is in the follow-through. So I want you to take this home. And I want you to tape it to your bathroom mirror, or tape it to your computer at work, or put it someplace that you will see every day. And in doing so, hold yourself accountable. <coughs> because growth in wisdom comes through saying, who do we want to be? And holding ourselves accountable to the journey. What you have written down are the next steps in your journey. Don't let this fall away. Instead, may the God who has given you grace to do these things cause you, make you, See them through to completion. Let us pray. Almighty and all in God. You want for us, you desire for us to grow in wisdom. If there's anything adult life teaches us, it's that we all grow in years. Not all of us grow in wisdom. Help us to grow this year, God. Help us to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to grow in spiritual maturation. Help us to grow in wisdom. We've written down some things, God. Some ways that you are calling us to grow. Help us to be accountable to that. Help us to think back on these things. Help us to take real steps in seeing them through to completion. And in so doing, God, help us to really and truly grow. All this we pray 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Jesus spent three days lost from his parents. Jesus gave himself up for us on a cross and spent three days lost in death and a tomb. But just as the lost wasn't the part of the point of the story this morning, so it is that on Easter... Jesus rose from the dead. The first fruits of our rising from the dead. So we come to communion during Christmas to remember the fullness of the story. That we come to the table to receive a foretaste of our resurrection. A glimpse of our eternal life to see the promised end to the mission that Jesus came to accomplish. Jesus grew in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. He grew to be a man. A man who did miracles. Who fed the sick. Who, sorry, fed the hungry. Healed the sick. He might have fed the sick too. Who taught us what love looks like. Who taught us how to live, how to attempt to live, righteous and godly lives. We remember that he gave himself up for us. So that we might be reconciled to God. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, again gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Almighty and all-loving God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, and on these gifts of bread and juice, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Along with these prayers, God, we lift to you the finances of Spirit and Life Church. We pray that your Holy Spirit would come and break through in a way that we have not been able. Change what we cannot change ourselves. Do what we cannot do ourselves. We pray that your power and glory be at work here without limits. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit in your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. One of the things that the adult Jesus did was 
give to us a prayer, give to us a way of praying. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus gave them this prayer, and we continue saying it today. Saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Communion here at Spirit and Life is open to all, regardless of age or church membership. We believe this is a way you can encounter Jesus and would invite all who would like to come do so. Uh, we have elements that are free of the most common food allergens, including gluten and dairy. If you need those, please just ask your server. Um, I'll remind you um, that as you come forward, you're invited to bring your orange keeping connected card and or uh, any financial contribution you wish to make and you can put them in this basket as you come forward and we will we serve uh, our musicians first so that they can lead us in worship during this time then our children then this side and then this side
Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and all loving God, we give you thanks for the many ways in which you shower your grace and mercy and love upon us. Grant that we might go out into the world strengthened by your Spirit to give ourselves for others. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. I just want to give a little history on this song before we sing it. Um, All Lang Syne was a song that was written in the 1700s, 1788 actually, by a poet. Name escapes me at the moment. Um, but it's a song about, um, as we get older, sometimes we forget our friends and our memories and we sort of just live in, in that moment. And um, the song actually got adopted, um, adapted by the church in Scotland about 100 years later. Um, and the person who brought this to the church um, thought it would be um, a good reminder that God never forgets us. Um, so all anxiety means um, old time memories or in, mem- in, in remembrance of. Um, so it's actually not a church song, but it ended up being a church song. And then over the centuries, it sort of got, got dropped. But um, anyway, it's tradition that a lot of people sing it on New Year's Eve. So we're going to sing it today for both reasons. want to give that second verse a try? <laughs> There's a second verse? The lyrics came up on the screen. Oh, we don't have like, those. Oh, we, <laughs> we don't have those. <laughs> that was definitely a little Glaswegian in there or something. <laughs> so, uh, next week, we're going to be looking at the story of the wise men. And we're going to talk about how we can be the star. Um, so, get excited for that. Um, but as we go now, from God's house, out into God's world receive these words of benediction. Go this day, and as you look forward to a new year, grow in wisdom as you gain a year. And know that as you go, today, tomorrow, the coming year, and always, our God, the living God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit goes with you now. Amen. Thank you.
just that moment. I forgot. So uh, we'll do those. <laughs> like, we'll do those two songs again. The two Christmas songs. Emmanuel. Right, and we have one more week, don't we? It's Christmas. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yes. They both. It just came together. People think the wise men came next.